Ukrainians. Identity and Dignity podcast is on the air. Within the last few days, the world has unveiled Ukrainians as a nation of courageous and indomitable people who relentlessly struggle for their freedom. We showed our enemy what they should expect if they jeopardize our dignity. A core value of Ukrainians. A lot of people worldwide now follow the news from Ukrainian hotspots, but we believe that without understanding our dignity and the circumstances that formed us, the world won't be able to understand us enough, which will limit the prospects of support and cooperation. So what makes us who we are? What is the bottom line of the Ukrainian people's dignity? In this podcast, we will tell you about the milestones which form our identity and make us a part of the European community. Today we continue to tell a story of Crimea. Watch its pass from the revolution of dignity to the bloody page of occupation by Russia. In times of the Revolution of Dignity, the bloodshed in Kyiv was a turning point for all the Ukrainians. We covered it in our first episode on the story of Maidan. As the story of Crimea goes alongside Ukraine, Crimeans also go through the Revolution of Dignity. There were local Euromaidans in every city. You all remember that the epicenter of all events was Kyiv. But Maidan in Crimea also had a special spot in the memory of many Ukrainians. During the Revolution of Dignity there was such thing as anti-Maidan. These were the pro-Russian groups usually artificially organized. Also, they were paid for their protests arranged in the name of Yanukovych and Russia-oriented policy. One of such anti-Maidans reached its peak in Crimea. This was a symbolic spot as Russia wanted to make use of the fragile state of Crimea that was continuously distancing from Ukraine. Of course, with the aid of Russian propaganda machine. We explained it in the previous episode. Delivered from Russia and locally based pro-Russian activists hold protests so the Crimea could join Russia. Though after the 21st of February it became obvious that the revolution in Kyiv won. The position of the pro-Russian forces on Crimean Maidan are reflected in the words of Pavlo Kazarin, Ukrainian journalist from Crimea. Do you know what distinguishes the Crimean people from the people on the Ukrainian mainland? Our residence is a marker of our identity. We have decided which is our side of the barricades long time ago. We did not miss the USSR, we did not want the past back, and we did not understand those who blamed Kyiv. Before the war we were looking for meanings that could connect the peninsula with the mainland. We were in the minority in Crimea, but we were sure that time worked for us. But we were wrong. The Maidan was the story about how the Ukrainian train is trying to escape from a post-Soviet depot. And when it almost succeeded, Russia came and hooked our wagon and hitched to the train which goes into the past. Here we have an analogy with the wagon and Crimea forcefully hitched to the Russian train of the past. But the Maidan revealed the willingness of Crimeans to cement the democratic values and build the future on dignity and freedom. But we are where we are, with Crimea hitched to the Russian train. 
and Russians never renounced their desire to seize and join Crimea in its vast territory. It reflects in the words of the member of public chamber of Russian Federation Sergei Markov. Russia Russia will do its duty towards the citizens in Ukraine. They are no strangers to us. They are brotherly people. They are Russian, Russian-speaking, and thereby we are responsible. The culmination of the combat between pro-Russian and pro-Ukrainian forces was on February 26. 10,000 people gathered near the Verkhovna Rada of Crimea. Activists said that pro-Ukrainian forces prevailed. Moreover, there were people with banners I am Russian, I want to live in Ukraine. The pro-Russian forces had three key demands. Coming back to the 1992 constitution, which granted Crimea mostly full independence, asking Russia to protect Crimeans, holding a referendum on the Ukrainian or Russian status of Crimea. Then the meeting of the Verkhovna Rada of Crimea was not held, because only 49 of 100 deputies gathered. Crimean Tatarian public figure Rafat Chubarov said that Tatars gave Crimea's authorities an apparent signal that accepting pro-Russian activist demands would end unwell. Then representatives of the Crimean Tatars negotiated with each deputy to convince them to refuse from pro-Russian sentiments. And pro-Ukrainian Maidan won. However, later on the so-called self-defense of Crimea with weapons enforced deputies to tolerate Russian demands. The menace did work and they approved the Russian desirable scenario. How did Russia manage to occupy Crimea? It wouldn't be this easy without monumental Russian propaganda. Just a year before the occupation, the Crimean radio station Trans-M Radio started to stream Russian news instead of those airing in the rest of Ukraine. Also, the main narratives revolved around Russian leader Vladimir Putin. Whereas some key Ukrainian political figures of the time Yanukovych, Azarov, Timoshenko and Lutsenko were hardly cited. The other point is in the phenomenon of the identity of resentment. Russian media endeavored to instill this feeling in Crimeans, persuading them that Ukraine has allegedly forgotten them and doesn't dedicate its finances to the peninsula. It all stirred up hatred, uncertainty and notably created an alternative reality. Then Russia decided to employ Ukrainian turmoil in times of Maidan and crystallize its benefit from it. Therein we've got the most eventful and notorious day, the 23rd of February. The day when Putin gave a green light to start an invasion of Ukrainian territory. His devotees were happily rallying with posters. Putin is our president and Russia via abandoned take us back. Though Dmitro Belotserkovets, the activist of Euromaidan in Crimea, reflects the events of 2014 from the other angle. The rally was fueled by the families of Russian militaries, the workers of Alexei Chali's factory, who soon became people's mayor of Crimea, and roughly 1,500 pro-Russian protesters financed by Moscow. 
What was the other driver that helped coalesce Crimea with Russia? In 2010, former Russian President Medvedev and Ukrainian fugitive ex-President Yanukovych signed a treacherous agreement. The treaty presumed the Russian Black Sea Fleet may stay in Sevastopol for 25 years, till 2042. Afterwards, Russia secretly expanded its military potential on the Crimean Peninsula and continuously deployed modernized equipment, weapons to strengthen its armed forces. Thanks to the military build-up in Crimea, the task to deploy little green men wasn't that challenging. These so-called little green men or polite men coined by Russian media. Who were those green men? These were Russian-speaking, heavily armed men in green uniforms with no identifying insignia who stormed the parliament in Simferopol and took control of other strategic facilities in Crimea. Conversely, Russia describes them as self-defense units protecting Crimean from Ukrainian ultranationalists. Serhii Hajduk, the then commander of the Ukrainian naval forces, reviews what he has seen. We could identify them as the troops of the Brigade number 810 of the Marines of the Russian Black Sea Fleet. We also identified the troops of the Spetsnaz number 45 of the Airborne Forces of Russian Federation. Their prime role in the seizure of Crimea was in creating blockades, so the Ukrainian soldiers couldn't get inside their bases on the peninsula. They used civilians as human shields. It was a tool to disarm Ukrainian border guards. Unfortunately, the border guards didn't have the support as the military infrastructure was blocked by Russians and colleagues from the security service of Ukraine have betrayed them. The other issue was that Ukraine didn't have a state leader at that time as Yanukovych disgraced his country, escaping to Russia. Also, the authorities left in Kyiv were not prepared enough to counterpunch. And then the 16th of March. The last move of the Kremlin to endorse joining the Crimean Peninsula. The pseudo-referendum. Why was it so inappropriate? First, the referendum didn't provide the choice on the status quo. The voters could either support the reunification with Russia or the restoration of the Constitution of Crimea of 1992. This document suggested Crimea had ample autonomy rights that had nothing to do with the previous image of Crimea attached to Ukraine. Second, it's illegal from the Ukrainian legal perspective. According to Article 73 of the Ukrainian Constitution, territorial changes are at the disposal of the Ukrainian authorities only. Also, it must be an old Ukrainian referendum. The other argument is that no independent international observers were allowed to have a look at the referendum. Though the Crimean journalists admitted the voting ballots were handed out to the same people in a row. Furthermore, they were also given to people with Russian passports. Now, as we completed our puzzle on the occupation of Crimea, let's review the motives of Kremlin. Why Crimea was a vital spot? Crimea for Russia is a symbol of the imperialism. There were built imperial palaces, and the main imperial fleet base also was based in Crimea. 
Catherine II called Crimea the Pearl of the Imperial Crown. Putin once claimed Crimea has always been and remains an inseparable part of Russia. Russian news was rife with patriotic, cheerful messages about Crimea. It allegedly came back to home harbor. Their president was delighted to retell the story of Russian military glory and valor entrenched in the history of Russian Crimea. Therein he mentioned key Crimean cities and battlefields in the 19th century war with Britain, France and the Nazis in World War II, labeling them as the places dear to our hearts. Though Putin doesn't add how the land was occupied since the 18th century. Besides the ideological value, Crimean Peninsula also had a big military significance for Russia. The state which controls Crimea also controls the Black Sea. The distance of anti-air and coastal missiles is enough to cover the whole sea. Also, the Black Sea is one of the seas which is close enough to Russia to strike its territory. You've probably heard that Russia tried to justify its invasion in many countries – Moldova, Georgia, Syria and notably Ukraine. Its believable excuse for the full-fledged war was a peacekeeping operation. Or the other compelling argument – it is an operation by a false flag. So that's your fault. You are bombing yourself, you are betraying your people. And sure, the blame falls on the Western world. Its cynical approach remained and revived in 2022 in Ukraine. War is peace becomes a doctrine, as if in George Orwell's world. What was it like to be an independent-minded resident of Crimea after the occupation? The reality of Russian Crimea became hell for pro-Ukrainian activists. Each demonstration, each personal protest and even repost on Facebook was enough for Russian punishers who right away launch persecution. It's unbearable to see all of this, but it doesn't seem to bother those man-eaters who represent our ruling. Some people ask, why do you dedicate so much effort to it? Why do you risk your life? They say, have mercy to yourself first. And I answer, if we are merciful to ourselves, then sorry, how our grandchildren will live? Activists were arrested, tortured. Russians opened criminal cases on them, but some were just kidnapped. Sometimes kidnapped activists were not found or were found dead. Charges were absolutely absurd. Terrorism, weapons holding, attacks on infrastructural objects. Let's look at it more precisely. Did you hear of Ukrainian world-famous film director Oleg Sintsov? His story became the most known among more than 100 cases open against Crimeans. Sintsov got 20 years in prison for terrorist activity. The whole of Ukraine watched the fate of the imprisoned, his hunger and how Russians tortured him. Fortunately, he was released in 2019. Here is the extract of the letter written by Oleg Sintsov. It hardly seems that I can be liberated at the end, but that would be a fine choice. Here, in captivity, we're all deprived. And not even deprived of freedom no one can take from us. Instead, we're deprived in a way that we could barely do something for our country from there. But there is one essential task we must accomplish. We must stand. Don't drag us out whatever it takes. The victory won't move forward. But to use us as a tool against the enemy, yes. 
just know that we are not your weak spot. Even though we are doomed to become nails in the coffin, then I'd like to be that nail. Just know that that nail won't bend over. Glory to Ukraine. There are some economic obstacles hidden in the Russian-friendly occupation. Let's see why. The resident of Kerch tells. There is no working places. The unemployment has grown nine times according to the statistics. Kerch turned into a scrappy yard. The garbage is shoveled everywhere. Living became way worse and harder. As Ukraine stopped supplying water from its reservoirs, it impacted one of the main industries of the Crimean Peninsula – agriculture, including viticulture, rice, rapeseed, and soybean growing. In addition, the 2020 became the most water-deficient since the occupation, and record-breaking as it has never been this dry in 150 years in Crimea. We are being strangled. There was nothing like that under Ukraine. On behalf of Kozak Aytamans, I can say I experienced a series of searches. Moreover, it wasn't confined only to me. People who I talked with also grappled with the raid of a home, garage, markets or a car, just like me. Therefore, now the opposition who is in Crimea under Russian occupation will be severely punished. Although Russia tries to justify the occupation of Crimea, the international community is unanimous in condemning Kremlin's Caesar of Crimea. The world regards Russia's occupation of Crimea as a dangerous precedent that strikes at the heart of the international order established after World War II. It was the first time since the 1940s that a European country had dared to seize territory from a neighbor by force. None of the international organizations, except those created by Russian Federation, recognizes Crimea as a Russian territory. The UN, the EU, NATO, the Council of Europe and UNESCO support Ukraine in territorial integrity. The UN creates annual resolutions that condemn violations on fundamental human rights by Russian authorities in occupied Crimea and the militarizations of the peninsula. After the so-called agreement on the admission of Crimea to Russia between Putin and the self-proclaimed authorities of the peninsula was signed, Russia was expelled from the G8. Almost eight years went past and Crimea's occupation has disappeared from the international agenda, even though Crimea is still under illegal Russian control. To take back the ongoing Russian occupation of Crimea to the international agenda, Ukrainian government set up Crimean Platform in summer 2021. The first summit of the Crimean Platform occurred on August 23 in Kyiv. The summit was attended by 46 foreign delegations, who signed a joint declaration calling for the restoration of Ukraine's territorial integrity. Mustafa Jemilev, a prominent Crimean Tatar politician who insists the regarding of Crimea on the Crimean Platform Summit in Kyiv on behalf of the Crimean Tatars, said 
didn't rush across all the red lines. Of course, we believe that each country is guided by its own national interest. But isn't it in the interest of every country to live in a world where law prevails over the power? Violators of this principle must be punished. It is clear that each country must protect its territory from seizing by other countries. But isn't it clear that if the seizure of another country's territory goes unpunished, no country will be safe? There is a saying among the Crimean Tatars, the kingdom of Chekels last until the lions rise to their feet. We still hope that the world community will rise to its feet so that law, not brute force, will rule our land. Crimean Tatars don't put up with the occupation of Crimea by Russia, so now they have intensified their fight for their motherland alongside with Ukraine, when Russia invaded Ukraine on 24th January. In Chunhar, on the administrative border with the occupied Crimea, Crimean Tatars went to a rally with Ukrainian flags and ethnic flags of Crimean Tatars, demanding the deoccupation of the peninsula. A patriotic message appeared on the Twitter account of the occupied peninsula. Hmm, I think that my return to Ukraine is nearing. A lot of Crimean Tatars joined the ranks of the armed forces and territory defense of Ukraine. Gennady Afanasyev, a former political prisoner in Russia who was tortured by the FSB, went to war. He claims, In a nutshell, I joined the ranks of the armed forces of Ukraine to defend Ukraine. I want to tell Ukrainians and Crimeans only one thing. Crimea will soon be Ukrainian. Ukraine will be free from occupiers and invaders. We will kill and defeat them all. It shows that you may even grab one's territory illegally, but you will never grab its heart. Now the hearts of Crimeans are pulsing within the rhythms of Ukrainians. It is the history of brave, freedom-loving and decent Crimean Tatars who split their blood in the ruthless struggle for their land. And yet they still pave their way to complete freedom. Let's turn the page further and move forward to explore dignity and freedom in Ukrainian identity. Glory to Ukraine!